Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Hello, podcast listeners. Just wanted to give a little heads up that if you head over to www.thevitalityshift.com, we've just recently created a new PDF download for free, which are six steps for increasing your retention in a vitalistic model. So if you want to take a look, head over again to www.thevitalityshift.com and take that free download and hope you enjoy this podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host. And today I have a special guest who is not a chiropractor. I usually have chiropractors on this show, but um, I have a really funny story of how this whole thing came to be. I was listening to a Hal Elrod podcast, and I was listening to this guy named Stephen Sims, and, and he had quite a, a great story going from a bricklayer to being a world-class concierge, you know, having people getting married at the Vatican, dinners. Um, in front of the statue of David and being serenaded by Elton John. And, and, and he had an amazing underdog story. And I'm like, wow, this is great. And I was actually talking to some of my patients at, uh, at the office after that. And then the next week I actually had someone reach out from his team asking if he could come on the podcast. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is too, uh, <laughs> too serendipitous. So I have to get him on. So, uh, I would like to welcome, uh, Steve Sims to the podcast. Welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, I, I, I really want uh, people to know, like, you, you, you came from basically being a bricklayer to now being like a, a top-selling author, and, and you, you, you do everything around the world, and you help people get out there and do the impossible. And, uh, and like I do with all my guests, just maybe tell us the, the, your kind of origin story of, like, how, how this started and, and what got you going on your path. Um, I don't know what got, got me going, but I'm an East London bricklayer. Um, and like all entrepreneurs, regardless of where you come from, what you're doing now, there's that sense of discomfort. There's that sense of irritation that you don't fit. So as a bricklayer and my father, I say owned the company. There was only like about three of us in it, but, um, uh, he had this little building firm that used to build, you know, little porches and household improvements. It was a little you know, one man ship kind of thing. And it just didn't work for me. And of course, as a young lad, you're being told by all the powers of be that, you know, you've got to do this, you've got to work hard. And bear in mind, this was in the 80s and 90s, that if you were an entrepreneur, that was code for you couldn't get a real job. So <laughs> I, I did, sadly, what every youngster did, maybe with a bit more vigor, but I bounced in and out of jobs faster than you would believe. Um, I think the shortest one was an hour. Um, and it was just... <laughs> If it didn't fit, it didn't fit and I was out. And so my mum my obviously thought I was a hopeless case and that was going to end up going into, I don't know, organized crime or something. <laughs> um, but um, I ended up, I was just, I just spent a lot of tolerate things. And so I ended up as a big lad working on the door of nightclubs. Um, seemed to be what God built me for. And there was a friend of mine that was getting a job in Hong Kong. Complete fabrication. I went for Hail Mary. I actually went to his bank when they, were tra- when they were doing an audition, mass audition for trainee stockbrokers. And in the other room next to it was a, um, 
uh, a presentation of all the established stockbrokers that they were moving from London to Hong Kong. So all of these trainees were going to be taking that spots. When I went to the two rooms that were actually opposite sides of each other in the corridor, one had coffee and stale donuts and the other one had an all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> I went into the buffet because in my mind, the worst case scenario was I got fed. So I went in there and I just, I just ate this whole buffet and somewhere along the line, they went, oh, we're taking addresses for tickets. And I gave my, without realizing, this, is, this is shows what an era we were in. This was in the 80s. Yeah. I actually got a ticket to Hong Kong because they thought I was in there because I was a broker, but somehow I was with one of the satellite offices and they were taking 200 people over there. I, I slipped under the carpet. I arrived on the Saturday, got drunk with them on the Saturday, drunk with them on the Sunday, orientation on the Monday, and I was fired on the Tuesday. So, um, <laughs> and I'm now in the middle of Hong Kong, no job. Um, I'm in an apartment with about five other stockbrokers who just hated me and looked at me as a massive liar, uh, which yeah. I was. Um, and I ended up, again, working on the door of a nightclub. And I just started to analyze people. I started to watch people. And you know what it's like, if you want to be a really fast runner, watch and study a really fast runner. Totally. You know, it's, it's not intelligence, it's just fact. Right, they figured um, it out. <laughs> yeah. So I've always been a very primitive person, 53 years old, 52 years old, still extremely primitive. And I watched all the rich people coming into my club. And I started to ask myself, well, what makes them different? Mm -hmm. What makes them tick? And I suppose this was before the personal development subscribe to videos by Gary Vee and everyone. Yeah. And I just suddenly started having that frontline viewpoint of successful people. And I've, been a, I've always been a believer that if you're going to communicate with anyone, you've got to have value in the conversation. Okay? Totally. If I come to you and I go, hey, I believe you're a great podcaster, teach me. Okay? Well, what's in it for you? But if I say, hey, I believe you've got a book coming out, I'm excellent at marketing books, you're excellent at podcasting, how can you help me help you? You know, so now there's a value in the conversation. Mm -hmm. So I started becoming the guy that knew all the best nightclubs in Hong Kong. I became the guy that knew all the best parties. And I literally sometimes would stop the affluent people coming up to my club. And I'd be like, not tonight, Jimmy. And they'd be like, Steve, why are you, why are you turning this way? And I'm like, dude, it's a bit quiet in there tonight because there's a new club just opened up around the corner. Speak to Roger on the door. Tell him Sim sent you. It'll get you in because that's where your ass needs to be tonight. And they'll be like, oh, cheers. So I became that person. So I started having the value that they came back. And I'll be like, so how come you got a Ferrari pulling up in the nightclub every night? How come you got a watch worth more than a, a car I've ever driven? You know, so yeah, mm -hmm. talk to me. I became valued to them. They became valued to me. And I started growing it. Now, here was the dumb thing. <laughs> the pure ignorance. I actually thought that if I had a Rolodex of... A hundred very affluent, successful people. One of those people would see something special in me and offer me a job. Great. The only time in my life I never, ever asked for anything was during that period. Now, I would ask for money. I would ask for payments. Yeah. I was happy to ask, but I never, ever asked for a job. It's funny. It's the only thing in my life I never asked for. And before I realized it, I was now the fixer, the man that could, to these very, very affluent people. There was no websites in the 90s. So I was word of mouth. I was traveling between Hong Kong, Stad, Monaco, Macau, Bangkok, Philippines, Manila. I was the guy that knew how to make happen. I went from letting you into nightclubs, 
to telling you where the best nightclubs were, to taking over mansions, penthouses, yachts, and throwing some of the most elaborate parties. And then from there, getting you into other people's parties, award shows, fashion weeks. It just, it just went, went crazy. And I think it was honestly about four years. Yeah. And I was still looking for a job. Now, here's the dumb thing. <laughs> I'm in a penthouse. I had a couple of nice motorbikes. I ride motorbikes. My wife had a Range Rover. And I'm going to these events. I'm throwing events. I'm putting on events. Still looking for a job. My wife came in one day <laughs> with a printout of our bank account, put it on my desk. And she said, while you're busy looking for a job, have you ever noticed you got one? <laughs> no doubt. And I was like, damn, you're right. She's like, we've never missed a payment on the rent. We've never missed a payment on any of the cars. You know, we own that. We own that. She said, you know, why are you looking over there? Well, you should be looking down here. And, and it was her that actually brought me to it. But she was right. So um, I ended up becoming the man that can. And then it wasn't until about 2000, I think, and two, when I'd moved from Switzerland to Palm Beach, uh, that uh, I, did, uh, I did an event. And it was for a friend of mine. Um, but he had got involved in the New York Fashion Week. Yeah. And they did a press release announcing that my company was the official concierge of Fashion Week. It was literally when I saw that report, that saw that press release, that I asked myself, what the hell is a concierge? And so we'd never been called a concierge before then. But that was the first time we'd ever been called a concierge. And we've never, we've never had it on our website. You know, the company's called, you know, Bluefish. I don't want to promote it, but... Yeah, yeah, go the ahead. Company, yeah. The company's called Bluefish. It's not called Bluefish Concierge. It's called Bluefish. And we often say we're an attitude, we're a lifestyle. Um, and so it's funny how we actually got called a concierge. And of course, then the whole concierge industry blew up. And let's be serious. My wife took the Cadillac to a service the other day. She didn't take it to the service station. She took it to Cadillac Concierge. So, right. <laughs> you know, you can drop your dog off at the concierge center of the other you know, thing. So yeah. the concierge is everywhere. But I kind of maybe arrogantly think that we had something to do with actually establishing that industry. Yeah, totally. Well, and, and, and so did you, did you just, did you then just kind of create a company or did it just kind of slowly manifest into that? <laughs> so <laughs> I do what all business owners do and I want you to ignore the business I'm in, but focus on the mistakes, which are the same as what anyone's doing. Um, yeah. So one of the filters that I had in communicating with people was whether or not I like, because right. the dumb thing is you can, you can communicate with someone you like, for 26 hours a day and it doesn't tire you. Right. If it's someone you don't like, if you've got a bad, bad client or bad customer, Jesus, yeah. you don't want to talk to those people for half hour and it wears <laughs> you out. Yeah, totally. So I had this filter that I only invite people to my parties that I liked. Mm. And one of my filters was to have this password. So every week, and this was again, back in the 80s and 90s, we used to fax, okay? Yeah. And this was on bloody dial-up. So it could take two hours to send out the entire list. But, uh, I remember when they came up with this automated feature where you could photocopy one and just, and I was like, this is heaven. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, we used to fax the location of where it was and a password. And people used to have to come up and they used to have to answer. And it used to be things like, name two of the Teletubby. <laughs> name the lion out of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. That got, what, that got people a lot. And one of the other ones was uh, finish this sentence, one fish, two fish, red fish. So people used to come up and if they would come up to you and they'd be like, because bear in mind, we didn't have smartphones. 
You know, I could ask you that question now and you could smartphone it and bang it out with the answers. Right. Um, I'd have people come up to the door and I was still working on the door and they'd be like, I don't know, the lion's name is, I don't know, is it lion? And because they were trying and there was some effort and there was humility <laughs> and it was funny and everyone yeah. was joking, we'd be like, no, it's not. In you go, you know. And <laughs> you, would get, you would get the dicks that would turn up and they'd walk up to the door and they'd be like, I'm here for the party. And the whole, we'd be on like, I remember one big one uh, in Hong Kong. There's a gangplank behind us going up to the yacht. The yacht's bloody swaying. This three-story yacht swaying. There's like about 150 <laughs> people already on the yacht. Music's belting out of it. Lights are going all over the place. Girls and guys are screaming. <laughs> and I looked at this guy and I went, I don't know there's a party here, mate. And I looked at my fellow meathead and I went, Colin, do you know the party? He's like, no, I don't think there's a party. I think there's one down the road, but there's no one here. And the guy's like, I'm here for that party. And he went off. But when, when Claire actually pointed out to me, that's my wife, when she pointed out to me that we had the company, we do what all business owners do. As soon as you've got something good, you then screw it up. <laughs> yeah, so totally. yeah it, it happens it, it, look the entrepreneur roadmap's the same for everyone whether or not you're a rocket scientist or a chiropractor you know anyone yeah. along the way we make the same mistakes so what i did was i thought to myself oh okay i'm a fixer i'm a handler i'm the guy that does you know i, I better do it and we came up with this name called trianon oh, yeah. trianon is the greek court for the gods so it's when the gods argue it's the final say. So Trianon became the final court of say. Great. How arrogant is that? You know? <laughs> so we were a bunch of idiots on the door that looked like a bunch of bikers that were throwing some of the kick-ass parties around the planet. And we came up with a totally obnoxious, uh, precocious name. And we had people contacting us going, hey, is that that Bluefish company? And here's the dumb thing. We hadn't put two and two together and realized it was one of our passwords. So for, for quite a while, we were like, no, we're Trianon. How may we help you? And they'd be like, oh, no, sorry, mate. And clicked that hang up on us. Wow. And then we suddenly realized uh, it was one of our team turned around and went, that's our password. <laughs> and we were like, oh, God. So we did a company name change, became Bluefish, and uh, that was it. So we, we realized we wanted to give people what they wanted. Mm -hmm. um, and what they needed that sometimes they didn't ask for, but we wanted to be careful not to do the common mistakes of marketing and branding. And it was from that point that I love looking at what people do as marketing and branding mm -hmm. and then the reason behind it. And do you know, 99% of the time, the reason behind it falls down to the exact same thing. It's because that's how we've always done it. Right. But the world today is in no way similar in anything from the food you eat, the clothes you wear, to the technology you play with, as it was not 20 years ago, mm -hmm. five years ago. 100%. Yeah. So it's changing so fast, right? And so you've, uh, you've also evolved into helping entrepreneurs, right? Um, with, yeah. With the branding. Mark, can you tell a little bit about what, what, what you're doing now and how you're helping entrepreneurs? So after... After about 20 years of being probably the most unknown man in the planet that works with quite simply the biggest billionaires, I had, um, there was a one time uh, we had something like, uh, it was 260 billionaires or something as clients and royalty. So, wow. uh, and no one knew who I was. 
Um, and I would literally turn up at the party. And again, I told you I ride motorcycles. I would yeah. turn up at a party in Stad or Monaco. And like you would go along to Avis and rent a BMW or Mercedes, I would literally contact the local Ducati dealership or Harley Davidson dealership and I'd borrow a bike. You know, I, I'm always happier on two wheels. I'd yeah. turn up at the party. I had people literally giving me their keys thinking I was valet or security. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yet I just happened to look after the billionaire that was throwing the party. Yeah. So I got asked to write a book because I used to brand, I used to work with a lot of very, very large brands and events, Hollywood award shows, uh, Formula One teams, jewelry stores. Um, I used to work for these big brands and helping them communicate their message to their market as, mm. let's be serious, as the marketplaces have changed through Generation Y, the millennials, you know, the, the, the marketplaces have changed very dramatically, very quickly. Yeah. Um, I got asked to do a book and the book was going to be a tell-all on all of the rich clients I deal with on what they do, where they go up to, where they spend. And I said, if I did that, I'd be dead by cocktail hour. Um, <laughs> and then I did a speech at an entrepreneur's organization. Somehow I got back to Simon Schuster that I'd done this speech and they contacted me and they went, instead of you write a book on what you do, why don't you write a book on how you do it? Because if a bricklayer from East London can be doing this with the Pope or doing this with Owen John, surely everyone else is out of excuses already. Totally. And, and I was like, I like that. I like that. So, you know, when you get to, when you get to 52, um, or when you get, I suppose, a little bit more secure in your life, you start looking around and going, well, am I helping anybody else? Am I helping an impact? So I wrote the book uh, called Bluefish in the Art of Making Things Happen which I thought would be a brilliant book that no one would buy. Uh, and I did it because I wanted everyone to get out of the way of more than likely their biggest problem, yeah. which is 9.9 .9 times or 9.9% .9 out of 10 is you. You know, you are the biggest problem in your business, in your life, in relationships. They always say when you're pointing one finger at someone, four are pointing back at you. Yeah. And through having my world being able to stand in other people's sandpit. I've literally st stood next to royalty, the titans of business, rock stars, you know, you know heads of, of countries. Right. And I've been able to see what they do through their eyes. So we wrote the book, hoping people could get out of the way of themselves, could actually do things in a very primitive, but the key word here, impactful manner. Um, when we released the book, we sold 500 copies in the first month. Yeah. And I'd never released a book before. I've got a lot of famous authors that are clients. Mm -hmm. And I remember phoning up Simon Schuster because in the second month, I think we were at 900. Yeah. And I went, is this good? <laughs> and in no uncertain terms, I was told not to call again. Um, <laughs> and so I went from about 900 copies. And then I think it was the third month. It was like 14,000. Um, oh, wow. And then I did a... Uh, um, I did a, uh, a, what do you call it, a voice, uh, an audio book. Yeah. Um, and that was it. The, the key was that audio book. That hit number one in so many different countries. Um, then the book got picked up. It actually just hit number one in Taiwan. Nice. Um, it's, in, it's in Vietnam, Vietnam, Korea, and Thailand. Uh, maybe now. I think we're around the release date. I don't know when this goes out, but first yeah. half of 2019, it will be out in those countries. But as I say, we hit number one in Taiwan. Um, and it's just, been, it's just been really interesting. So what happened 
was I went from being a person that no one knew. I had 16 followers on Instagram. Um, <laughs> we're now just under 50,000. And yeah. I then started uh, consulting. I own a, a course on Bluefish Steve. Um, and we now just focus on teaching entrepreneurs how they can do it. And the first thing we do is kind of slap you around a little bit and go, right, get, get out of the way yourself. And I've gone from spending rich people's money to give them interesting cocktail stories to helping entrepreneurs redefine, remarket, how to talk to themselves, how to get out of the way of everyone else, and how to really be, become more impactful for them. That's so cool. So, so, you know, we have chiropractors that are all over the world. We have them in Australia and UK, um, London, London, England, where you're from, um, yeah. all, all across the Canada, United States. And, and again, a lot of times chiropractors, again, they, it is their own issue, right? They feel kind of like an underdog and they kind of feel creepy promoting themselves. So what kind of recommendations do you have for someone who feels creepy promoting themselves? Okay, never sell, solve. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why that hit me years ago. No one... Someone must have said it because I very rarely say anything intelligent, but <laughs> it's stuck in my head. Never sell, solve. I think that if you're good at what you do, if you're bad at what you do, if you're not very good at it, you need to sell yourself. If you're proficient and you can help people, then you're there to solve and serve. So if you can help somebody, it's your duty. It's not promotion. It's not marketing. It's not branding. When you can go forward and go, well, how do you sleep? Uh, I, I, I have a chiropractor. Um, and you think you're all good, and then something <laughs> hurts. So nine times out of ten, you see chiropractors when you're in the pain threshold. But if you see them on a regular basis, as they say, it's better to maintain than repair. Totally. Uh, and especially as you get older. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a case of you need to educate. You need to solve and serve. That's your focus. You're not self-promoting, you're helping. If I can get you a brilliant night's sleep by getting rid of these, these pains, sorry, someone's trying to call me, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can get rid of these pains, then yeah. you're actually helping someone. So you need to change the way you view marketing. Mm-hmm. And what, what are kind of some of the common um, mistakes that you see that entrepreneurs are making? One of them is the selling. Yeah, totally. Uh, they try to sell themselves, they try to force themselves. Um, yeah. And both of those things don't work. There's a lot of fake gurus out there in the planet. Um, and this, again, the, the, the model and the structure and the systems and the, uh, the symptoms are all the same, whether or not it's an internet marketer or it's a chiropractor. Right. Nowadays, the limit of attention is far less than it's ever been. And mm-hmm. you've got to come forward for a reason to be in that call. Now, if you go back to the beginning of this podcast, I said to you that you can only be involved in a conversation if both of you are bringing value. Yes. Okay. Your client is bringing you money. It is bringing you business. That's their value. What's yours? There's a lot of companies out there that are literally just looking at buying this. How many times you see, you know, hey, buy now, $9.99. It's only $9.99. They have no care. They're focusing on you getting that revolving money in, and they work on the fact that 10 or 15% of those people are going to go by the wayside, and that's just going to be regular green capital. So as a chiropractor, you are solving and you are communicating. And Mm. that's what you've got to focus on. I don't want you to pitch. I don't Mm. want you to brand. I don't want you to market. I want you to enter into a communication with people that you can solve their problems. So think of yourself as a teacher. 
Okay, mm-hmm. think of yourself as a philosopher. When the client comes in and says to you, and you, this is the daft thing, you already know this stuff. All you chiropractors out there, you already know this stuff. <laughs> the guy comes in and they go, oh, I've got a bad arm, oh, I've got pain on the neck, oh, I've got this. You know that that pain may be generated from somewhere else on the body that's not where the point of pain is. Totally, yeah. Okay, yeah. exactly, okay? So you're listening to what they're saying, now you're going to give them what they need. Totally. And that's what you've got to get across. Now, they're only going to know that when you communicate it. As I say, I've had experience with chiropractors, and it's a valuable source. And do you know the beautiful thing about chiropractic? Technology's not going to make any difference on that because you ain't going to suddenly grow three arms next week. So <laughs> we are, us human beings, the slowest forming technology in the planet. Really? And we are, we are degrading and we are getting worse as we get older, you would not buy any utensil that had the guarantee and warranty that a human being has that is going to go wrong, it's going to hurt, and it's going to fall off. So chiropractic need to educate more in order to brand and market themselves out. But the key here, if I could leave you with only one thing out of this, is solve, don't sell. That's, that's awesome. Now, um, when you always talk about getting you out of the way, um, a lot of chiropractors, they might, have, they might just be experiencing fear. And, and did you have any, any recommendations on how people can kind of, and they kind of get in that free state. And I don't know if you've ever, ever experienced that in your life where you kind of yeah. don't have that confidence. What kind of um, advice would you have for people that are kind of in that stuck state? God, I'd hate to, I'd hate to repeat, but it, yeah. if it works, it works. Solve, don't sell. You're yeah. not there to tell people you're the most handsome person in the world. You may be. Okay, <laughs> but you're there to solve a pain. Now, if you look at, if you look at Tiffany, okay? Now, mm-hmm. if you go out to Tiffany and you buy your, your wife, your boyfriend, whatever, a piece of Tiffany, you get the blue box. Great. You get all of that wrapping. There's all that marketing and promotion around it, building up that hype, that anticipation, and the value in that ring. There may be a ring down the road that's a tenth of the price, Mm-hmm. More than likely, it's an even better cut diamond because it's from a family jewelers that specializes only the best. But you'll buy the Tiffany because everything's involved in it. Okay. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you looked at the packaging on a headache tablet? Yeah. <laughs> Never. <laughs> no. Why? Because it solves. Okay. So you're doing two things you're either creating a desire or you're solving a problem. When you're solving a problem, you don't need pretty packaging. You don't need pretty marketing. You don't need pretty branded. Mm-hmm. If you have a headache, you take this. Three-second advert, gone. Mm-hmm. So when you're actually looking to build more clients, then start educating people on the website. You know, And if chiropractor, and I'm the same here, you know, there's a lot of people that can't write very well. Yeah. I, I'm one of them, okay? Yeah. You can go on to places like Fiverr, okay? Mm-hmm. There used to be Odesk, um, but there's a lot of different virtual assistants out there. A really good one is Contentfly. Okay. Have you heard of that one? No. Contentfly. So it's, you know, contentfly.com. Yeah. It's it's basically an Uber for journalists based in Europe. Ah. So what you do is you will actually tell them. Now, I I can't write very well. So what I do is I record you know, a newsletter. And I yeah. go, hey, I want to tell someone today about, I want to do this, I want to do that, you know, maybe this, maybe that. And you just talk, okay? And then you email them your voice file. Now, I know other people that send letters. 
a uh, journalist will pick it up, just like Uber picks you up. Yeah. A journalist will pick it up and rewrite your content okay, nice. into a text file and then send you back a Word document and you get three uh, edits. Okay, nice. you can go, well, it's not my tone of voice. But then what you can do is you can put that on your website. Mm -hmm. So for argument's sake, if you're a chiropractor, what are the three common misconceptions, problems, solutions, um, things that cause back pain? Um, what are these? Pick three. Power of three. Ken Craig and the power of three is a powerful thing. So pick three um, answers to questions that people are asking before they've got to you. Start mm -hmm. posting it in your newsletters. Start posting it on your social feed. Start posting it on your uh, website, but give them the solutions. They're not going to care about the packaging. They're caring about the solution. And all they want to do, first of all, is go, well, hang on a minute. You're telling me that the chair I sit on is what's creating my back pain? Are you telling me the myth of spending my entire life on one of those bouncy blow-up balls is what's actually really what's causing my problem? <laughs> you know, in a flight, how can I, how can I, I fly a lot, you know, there's basic exercises that I was taught that while I'm flying that I can do on anything over like five hours is going to help me, you know, mm -hmm. things like that, mm -hmm. you know, post them up there. Cause people are going to be like, you know, I have that problem. Maybe this person's my solution. Totally. So you're not focusing on the confidence. You're focusing on the solution. And mm -hmm. I had the same thing. I went again, our entrepreneurial journey is the exact same regardless of what journey, uh, what industry we're in. I actually started looking at myself. There's this 245 pound of ugly, bald head, goatee, <laughs> earrings, tattoos, turning up to a billionaire on an old motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this doesn't look good. And I actually went through a real bad time in my life where I was questioning what I looked like. And right. you don't ever want to get into that until one day I suddenly realized you're not hiring me because you want to date me. You know, right. you're hiring me because I'm the man that can, you know, yes. I'm the solution to what you want. As long as I can provide that solution, I can have three ears and, and one eye in the middle of my forehead. It's irrelevant. <laughs> you don't want to date me. And as soon as I realized that I was, I was providing a solution, that's what changed my entire mentality. So again, I know we've repeated it a lot, yeah. but especially in your industry solve don't sell that's cool now i know that you are kind of uh, you're a master at connecting with the right people to get into certain organizations and industries um chiropractors again around the world a lot of times they want to get in to try to do either corporate talks at different companies or they want to you know even even being able to be a, a chiropractor for affluent people what kind of um tips would you have to be able to connect with the influencers that would help you to kind of get into those difficult places to get into all right so uh let's work on the uh, um the corporate, the corporate and the speaking side, okay? Mm -hmm. What's the benefit, okay? Now, we know for well that if you get into a speaking gig in the corporate world, you may get corporate clients out of it. You may get some affluent directors or board members from the meeting that you're doing. But what's the corporate get out of it, okay? So if mm -hmm. you can go in and you could say something like, recently there was a report on how the wrong chairs can affect the positivity of the workforce. Have you ever considered what chairs you work in? As an independent chiropractor, we've noticed that these are the three steps to go over here. If you run any um, events uh, or meetings that you feel uh, having me in your office would benefit, you improve your workforce, 
I'm open to assist. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you've never worked on the corporate speaking gigs before, you'll have to do those for free. Okay. Yeah. You're going there going, Hey, I'm solving your problem. I'm solving your problem. You may not realize you actually about if comes afternoon, you don't have the three o'clock wobbles. You don't have the three o'clock flump because yeah. you're in a position of state. Why? Because during that day you've done certain things. Or maybe you've moved the coffee machine away from X to there to give a more stride. Maybe you've changed the level of the cups that they have to reach up to get a cup. Just silly little things like this creates movement and movement creates reaction and you want that reaction and response. You don't yeah. want the coffee machine on the person's desk with the cup at the uh, elbow's arm so they don't have to lift up the arm. All of those kind of things. If you can come in and go, hey, I've seen this. I've been able to cater it with my people. Mm -hmm. If it's of interest to you to create a happier, stronger, healthier, more positive workforce during those low hours, then I'm open to communicate with you. Now, once you get a few of those, guess what? Those testimonials go on your website and now you're a speaker and now you're charging $10,000, okay? <laughs> if you want to get into sports um, chiropractic, okay? Yeah. Go to affluent sports clubs and go, hey, my company's been in business for 20 years. I'd like to do a breakfast at 9.30 in the morning that those people can come off their treadmills and I will talk to them about how chiropractic medicine and how the right training or the right after training can mm -hmm. help their future training, okay? Right. Again, you may have to offer it for free and then following that, you may find you become the chiropractic of source and you're recommended with on their website. That's awesome, yeah. There's a classic one that said, if you want to go fishing, go where fish feed. You know, if you yeah. want to sell a $10,000 program, don't talk to anyone in McDonald's. Go to a five-star <laughs> restaurant that's doing it. So focus on where the money is and focus what you bring to the table because you already know the money's in there. You've just got to find a way of getting through those doors. That's great. That's awesome. So um, if, if people are interested in getting more information about you and, and, your, and your books and stuff, what, what, where, where can we lead them to to get more well, information? Well, if they're in the uh, – if are most of your people in the U.S.? Um, most of them are in the U.S., but they're right around. Uh, okay. Like I said, it's kind of Australia, New Zealand, uh, North America, and the U.K. All right. So there's two ways of doing it. If you're in the U.S., get your cell phone out and text the word SIMS, S-I-M-S, to 345345. Okay? That'll get you on my email list. Um, it'll get you some videos, and it'll get you the PDF of Bluefishing, uh, the tip sheet at the back. Uh, and it'll also get you text alerts. If you're not in the US, then visit the website stevedsims.com. Do the same. Put your email in. The only thing you lose now on is I can't text you if I'm speaking at an event or if I've got a last-minute um, gig going on in your neighborhood. But Steve D. Sims. You can also go to um, Facebook and uh, Instagram. I'm on all of those things under Steve D. Sims, and I'm the bald guy with a glass of whiskey in his hand. That's so awesome. <laughs> now, like I like to do with all my uh, my guests, is I just kind of leave the last couple minutes just to leave parting words of wisdom or inspiration to chiropractors that are around the world that kind of sometimes they feel like an underdog or they feel like they might be um, slightly stuck in their life or they might feel like they just need a little bit of extra inspiration. So what, what kind of words would you like to leave our listeners with? Two of them. One of them is uh, when we're little kids, we ask why a lot, don't we? Yeah. And then as we get older, we stop asking why because it makes us sound stupid. But every time you do something, ask yourself why. 
I've had people contact me to go, hey, I'd like you to be on my podcast. And I've literally just responded with why. And some people find it rude. And then some people will come back going, well, I've got a demographic to confirm. And I'll be like, that's fantastic. Thank you. I only needed you to answer it. You know? And then I know that's good. If I'm going to get into marketing, I'll look at this marketing. I'll go, hey, this looks fantastic. I'll leave it alone. The following day, I'll come back to it and I'll go, why am I doing that? You know, what's the outcome? Is the juice worth the squeeze? And I will question myself a lot. Also, surround yourself with challenges, not crabs. Crabs keep you down. Challenges will help you focus and fine point your laser vision. So go out to people and go, hey, I'm thinking of doing this. You know, do you think that would work? And get your wife, your boyfriend, your, your brother-in-law, you know, someone in your team. So get people to challenge you. And they will turn around and they will do exactly what I've just said. They will go, well, why are you doing that? And if you can't answer it, then don't do it. But one saying has stuck with me all of my life, uh, above the actual uh, solve, don't sell, is one that my dad came up with. He said to me once, he said, no one ever drowned by falling in the water. They drowned by staying there. Right. So you, my friendly chiropractors out there, are currently sitting in the water. Now, you've got a choice of whether or not you get out of it or you drown. Trust me, stuff's changed at such a fast rate. Whatever you did yesterday doesn't work anymore. You've got to try something new. So ask yourself why. Try different things. And don't be frightened of failure. You know, try different marketing. Try different edit. Try the content fly. You know, if you think you're a really good writer, get mm -hmm. content fly. Why? Because there's nothing worse than your own opinion. It's everyone else's opinion that matters, not yours. So get other people to fine-tune your message. Get other people to challenge you on why you're doing it. And more than anything, realize that four fingers are pointing at you every time you're pointing one finger at someone else. Well, that's uh, that's awesome, and and uh, I just want to I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's uh, it was just kind of serendipitous how the whole thing came about, and uh, I think uh, <laughs> I think a lot of chiropractors out there get a lot of great great information, and and you guys out there make sure to uh, pick up his book, um, Steve Sims' Blue Fishing book, and uh, I want to thank you very much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I had fun, pal. Thank you very much. It was cool. So everybody, make sure to remember, solve, don't sell. And when you do that, you can get out there and crush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.